Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. You ever been stressed out? Like, like really stressed out? Are you stressed out right now? You wanna talk about it? Have you ever been like so stressed out that you're like, you know what, I'm not gonna let anybody know how stressed out I am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna manage, I'm gonna keep it inside. And, and so you try to keep it in. You're not gonna let anyone else see it. But those around you begin to notice there's a crack in the facade and something's going on and, and you just can't hold it in. And if that person you're talking to is a Christian, maybe you've heard what I think all of us have heard at one point or another, someone who desires to eagerly encourage you, you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, and they say, you know what? God won't give you more than you can handle. Anyone with me? Now, maybe you've said that and you're nervous right now because you know this is what I'm going to pick on for the next few minutes. Uh, Here's the deal. Uh, We are so glad that you're here. Today, we're gonna talk about this idea. I wanna welcome you to Abundant Life Church. Uh, If you're with me in the room or you're watching or listening online or through a podcast, however you got here, we're so glad that you are a part of this with us. Uh, We are in week five of our series called Say What? And so if you have a journal, I wanna encourage you to get that out. Go to week five and you'll see a spot to take notes. If not, you don't have a journal, uh, grab out something to take notes with and encourage you to write down some ideas that may be new to you or things you wanna explore uh, later, maybe in your own time of study or in a life group. And if you've got a Bible, we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is in the New Testament. And so if you've got a physical Bible, I'll give you a second to, to turn there and get your spot there. If you've got a Bible app, I encourage you to get that out as well. We would love for you to read along with us. We say this idea, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle, as an encouragement, and it's usually said with the best of intentions, of, of uh, hey, I wanna encourage you, it's gonna be okay. But what if we're saying something that isn't actually true? Like, what if God doesn't actually work that way, and, and what if God doesn't actually want us to promise that to someone? Uh, could there actually be the reverse uh, consequence when we say that to one another? And you might go, well, what would be so bad about saying this? Well, here's how I think you've got to realize a lot of people hear that sentence. It goes like this. If God won't give you more than you can handle, you shouldn't be having such a hard time. I mean, if God's not going to give you more than you can handle, get over it. Like, move on. Why are we still talking about this? You should be fine by now. And I shudder to think of some of the situations in which probably a well-intentioned Christian uses this line and, and someone hears, wow, I, I should be getting over this. Like when it is said to someone who is suffering from extreme, possibly suicidal depression, we say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. Someone who is going through a miscarriage, maybe not for the first time, they hear God won't give you more than you can handle. Someone who loses a child in a tragic accident and is told that line, Someone who's dealing with self-esteem issues after they find out that their spouse has been cheating on them. And someone tells them, God won't give you more than you can handle. Someone who wakes up uh, in, in anxiety every morning because financially they've lost so much and they don't know how they're gonna make ends meet and then someone tells them, God won't give you more than you can handle. Or someone in an abusive relationship who wonders, what on earth do I do? And then a Christian tells them, God won't give you more 
than you can handle. You, you might imagine how this idea can actually produce incredible hurt in the name of Jesus, even if that's not what we were trying to do. Now you may wonder, okay, well, how are we misquoting this then? I mean, if this is not the way we should be quoting it, how should we be quoting it? Well, here's what you need to know uh, of all the ones we're doing. This one's not even in the Bible. I don't know if you know that. Uh, not actually found in the Bible. This is just one of those things that sounds like it belongs in the Bible. There's a lot of those, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure somewhere it's in there, you know, somebody wrote it. Uh, there's a lot of those things. I'll give you a list of those just to, to get us warmed up. Uh, things that are not in the Bible. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not there. Just want you to know it's not there. Uh, how about this one? God helps those who help themselves. Not in the Bible. Or this. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Maybe, but not in the Bible. Or maybe my personal favorite, Jesus take the wheel. We love saying these things, don't we? Yeah, I, where are those from? I, it's, yeah, I think New Testament somewhere. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where it is. Uh, well, to that list, we would add God won't give you more than you can handle it. Now, you might be thinking, whoa, whoa, Jeremy, I, I know that that's in there somewhere. I can't think of it, but I know. I've read something that sounds like that. That, that is in the Bible. Well, there's actually something that sounds like this in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And so I'm gonna read that to you. You're in 2 Corinthians, stay there. Uh, but I wanna read to you uh, something that Paul says, uh, and it sounds a little bit like God won't give you more than you can handle, but I, I want you to read it carefully. I want you to, to notice if anything sounds a little different than the way that we often quote it. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But you are tempted when you are tempted. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Anyone notice anything jumping out to them in that verse? Temptation, yeah, I highlighted it for you. I tried to make it really easy. It's temptation. This is a verse, an idea about temptation. Paul has explained to you, if you as a Christian are saying, hey, I had to give in, I had to sin, I had no other choice. Paul's going, nah, false. Uh, if you have the spirit of God living inside of you, you always have another route. You always have another choice. There is always a way to be faithful in the moment. That is the idea he is saying. It is about withstanding a temptation going, I had to give in. Paul goes, no, you don't. No matter what you're dealing with, you can face temptation. It has nothing to do with how much you can handle. You see, I would actually say, as we look at this idea that has become very popular, that I, I think God works the opposite way. I think that, that God loves to give you more than you can handle. They might go, well, that sounds like a really jacked up view of God. Why, why would God do that? Well, think about this. Uh, as Americans, uh, we want nothing more than to be independent. I wanna be independent. I don't wanna rely on you or on you or on the government or on the church or on anyone. I want to be fully independent. And that sounds so great. And that might be your goal in life is to be fully independent. Here's the reality. That is one of the easiest ways to miss God. It is when you are focused on your own independence, what you're basically saying is, Jesus, I have no need for you. There's no room for you. There's nothing that you can contribute to my life. And a lot of people live this way. And if that's you, that might have worked for you. But understand, if you're trying to experience Jesus, it's going to be very difficult if you're being self-sufficient and independent. And so actually, when you go, whoa, I can't do this. I'm in over my head. That's the moment you start looking beyond yourself 
and you go, I, I might need something else. Now, if you wanna write things down, I'd encourage you to write this down. When life is too much, you're in the perfect place to experience Jesus. Now, some of you came in here today and you're going, yeah, life is too much. This is, this is me, this is my story right now. And if that is you, I wanna encourage you that you're in the perfect place to experience Jesus. That, that, that Jesus is going to be so real to you. You ever notice that when, when you have those really hard seasons of life, you pray more? Ever notice maybe you're a little bit more drawn to read the Bible, you're more, you're more apt to go to church, to, to be open to community, why? Because you have to rely on something other than yourself. And while we don't necessarily choose this, Jesus often shows up in dramatic fashion when we are in this posture. And a lot of times it's around pain. You know, we, we deal with pain and we want the pain to so quickly go away. And if we do pray about it, we pray, God, take this pain from me. I don't want this pain anymore. And I think that God is actually trying to use that pain to, to refocus us, to, to retune us to what he is doing, not necessarily what we are doing. The author Sam Chan says it like this. Often the difference between where I am and where God wants me to be is the pain I'm unwilling to endure. See, when God wants to move you to that next level, it oftentimes will involve a pain because that is what's going to focus you. That's what's gonna alert you to something other than yourself. And yet most of us, the moment we experience a pain, we run from it, we flee from it. Rather than leaning in going, Jesus, what are you doing here? How are you going to meet me in the midst of this. That's why as a church community, we want to always be growing, always be challenging. Hey, how can we learn to see Jesus in new ways? Uh, in just a few weeks, we're gonna host the Global Leadership Summit. We have about 200 people already signed up for this. If you're not, I wanna encourage you. This is an incredible moment to keep going, to keep developing, to keep growing in all of the roles that you're in in life, both personally and professionally. Why? Because if not, uh, we just, always settle into whatever is easiest. I settle into whatever is easiest, whatever is the least amount of pain. And it's the easiest way to miss Jesus because we, we pull back, we, I wanna keep everything, what I can control, what I can handle, and in the process, we miss what Jesus is doing. And so I wanna encourage you, that's uh, an event in August for two days that will help you challenge yourself to go, how can I see what Jesus might want for me? How do I take this up the next level? They might be thinking, Jeremy, if this is as great as you're saying, why don't we all choose this? Why don't all of us choose to be in over our heads like this? And the answer is because it's awful, right? If you have that moment, you don't like it, I don't like it. There's none of us enjoy feeling like, wow, this is totally beyond me. That you might think, well, this is a new problem. It's those dang millennials and their technology, you know? It's all the social media and the YouTube, and, and that's the real issue that, that we, you know, back in my day, we didn't have this issue. And I love when I hear that because uh, this has nothing to do with your generation. Uh, this is all of us, this is the human condition. We do not like feeling overwhelmed. It doesn't matter what the specifics are in your life. And in case I need to convince you of that, that this is not a new problem, I wanna take you back to September of 1952. Watch this. Anyone else get anxious just watching that clip? <laughs> See, look, this is not a new thing. This is every person that has to wrestle with. What happens when life gives you more than you can handle? What is your response 
to that. Well, if you're with me in 2 Corinthians, I wanna show you the way Paul responded uh, when life gave him more than he could handle because this teaches us something today that I, I would suggest each and every one of us would do well to learn from. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, again reading in the second part of verse seven. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is a bizarre passage of scripture. This is maybe one of the weirdest things Paul ever wrote. You're going, what on earth? He is delighting in weakness. Now he's not celebrating his sin or his mistakes. He's celebrating those things that are way beyond what he can control. His own limit, his own threshold of ability. He's saying, I delight in that because that helps me to focus on Jesus. Now he describes something here that scholars for you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years have been debating uh, what on earth is Paul talking about. The word he uses there for the thorn in my flesh is the Greek word scallops. It's the only time this word ever appears in the New Testament. So Paul is not giving a common example. Oh yeah, Paul's got that too. He's referring to something very unique that had afflicted him. And the imagery here is is like walking barefoot and, and you step on a thorn, but you can't get it out of your foot. So you're limping around from that point on because you cannot get it out or you get the sliver in your hand and no matter how hard you try, you cannot get it out. So it affects your mobility. It's this idea that if I could just get rid of this, I would be back to normal. I would be fully functioning. And, and Paul views this scallops as this thing that, that is just weighing him down. And so he says, three times, I pleaded with God to remove it. Now, if you know Paul in the New Testament, God did a lot of things that Paul prayed about and that Paul asked for. So it's interesting that Paul prayed, pleaded, and God said, no. I'm not taking that from you. And Paul's just thinking, if you would just remove this from me. And maybe in your life, you've got your own scallops. You're going, just remove this from me, God. If you would fix this, I would be fully functioning. I could do what I'm trying to do. Why would you not get rid of this? And this is Paul's request. Please take this from me. And Paul views this as a hindrance to him. But notice what he learns, that God intends it for his good. Notice that first verse we read there. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. I love that idea. Paul knows, like, look, I could get a big head about this. And so to keep me humble, God gave me a scallops. God gave me something to give me perspective. Now, why, why would uh, Paul get conceited? Well, if you read the New Testament, Paul's kind of a big deal. Uh, I mean, at that point, when Paul enters the story, Christianity is like this little thing, you know, around Jerusalem, not a really big deal. All of a sudden, Paul enters the scene, poof, global, uh, because of one guy. And you go, wow, that, that was a huge deal. Paul, Paul was significant in the spread of Christianity. And Paul goes, yeah, God didn't want me to get a big head about that, so he gave me uh, scallops. Now, here's a question I have. 
Is this something that God only did one time for Paul? Or could it be possible that God continues to do this in our lives today? Could it be possible that God has given you a scallops, that thorn that you're limping as a result of, and you think, just get rid of this thing, and then I would be fine. God's going, no, 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 I'm using that for your good. I'm bringing out the best in you. I'm keeping you from over-reliance on yourself. And so while you limp around praying for me to remove it, I'm actually doing something new in your life. Could it be possible that that pain that you so badly want to be rid of is the very thing that God is using to bring out the best you? It's an interesting thought to consider. One author named Jamie Torkowski says it like this. What we do with our pain, how we respond to it matters. It's one of the biggest questions we get to answer in this life. See, no matter who you are, uh, you know pain. It's part of the human condition. We all have pain. What we each get to decide is what we do with our pain. How do we respond to it? Does it make us bitter? Does it make us angry? Do we get resentful? Do we turn away from God? Do we turn away from people? Or like Paul, do we learn to see the scallops as something that we may not want, but that God is using for our good? And could God be inviting each and every one of us on a new adventure, but there's a little bit of pain involved along the way? So as I was preparing this, I, I was thinking about another idea that, that I think goes hand in hand with, with experiencing God this way and experiencing more than you can handle. And it's the idea in psychology and, and in theology called liminal space. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this. This is an interesting phrase. If you wanna write this down and Google it later, uh, it's pretty fascinating. But liminal space is this intermediate in-between transitional state. It's when you cannot go back to where you were, but you have not yet arrived at where you're going. You're in the in-between. Essentially, it's the hallway between the past and the future. Now, the reality is each and every one of us experiences liminal space. No matter where you're at with God, whether you have been following God as long as you can remember or you have yet to follow God and you don't wanna follow God, you experience liminal space in your life. You transition from there to there and in between, you have these moments of liminal space. And here's what I have found is that in that place, it is almost always more than you can handle. When you realize I'm in a liminal space, you probably conclude this is more than I can handle because you have left behind the comfort of what you were used to. You have not yet achieved the excitement or the newness of what you're going to. You're just in between. And in that in between, you begin to experience this is more than I can handle. What's an example of liminal space? Well, let me give you a, a, a bit of a graphic one, but imagine a woman in labor. Okay, if you're in the, the delivery room, uh, a woman is in pain, bringing a child you know, into the earth and all this, it's like, oh, this is gonna be beautiful. But imagine amidst the screams and the pain that you just look at the lady and you go, hey, you know what? I think you could avoid all this. Just put the baby back. Just go back and like, let's be done and let's do this another day. And you won't have to deal with this pain. You can't go back. You know, once labor's begun, you're, that baby's coming out. But in between, you can't go back, and here's the child. There is liminal space. And if, I've seen it. Uh, if you are in the room for that, it's traumatic, and, and it's a lot. And I wasn't even the one experiencing it. It's a lot. But this is the idea of liminal space. This is more than I can handle. You can't go back. You have not yet arrived at where you're going. 
I was thinking about my own life, an example where I clearly remember having the feeling of, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? I was, uh, this is probably 10 years ago now, uh, but I'd go to the dentist, you know, to get my, my uh, twice a year checkups, and uh, the dentist kept saying to me, hey, when are we gonna take those wisdom teeth out? You need to get those wisdom teeth out. And I'm like, ah, they're fine. I, 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 don't, I don't wanna get them out. I just wanna leave them there. And they weren't bothering me, but the dentist kept saying, hey, you, you need to get these out. They're gonna create issues on the road. Well, I'm not a big fan of medical stuff and needles and surgeries and all that. And so I was like, yeah, and, unless I have to, I think I'm gonna be okay, I'll just leave them in there. But every time I go to the dentist, I'd like, oh, here we go, brace myself for the lecture. And I get the lecture over and over. This happened for years. My dentist kept lecturing me like, when are you gonna get the wisdom teeth out? And I was like, look, it's not my thing. I just, they're fine, I'm just gonna do it. And so finally he switched up his approach and goes, all right, here's the deal. Uh, like, I get it, you don't wanna go get knocked out and do a whole surgery, and I, okay, fine. He goes, how about I'll just take them out for you? I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, just, just, you, you can be fully awake, I'll take them out. I'm like, I don't think that's the thing that you do. He goes, no, 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 it's the thing I do. Like, it's fine, you will set up an appointment, we'll do it right here, like, no big deal, you can drive yourself home. I'm like, no, no I'll, I'll do it right here. And he made it sound like such an appealing yeah, piece of cake, in and out, no big problem. So I said yes. I don't know why I said yes, but I said yes. So I uh, scheduled my appointment. I go in. I'm going to be fully awake. Not going to knock me out. This is going to be great. Uh, the one thing he did say is he said, bring some really big headphones because you're not going to want to hear the sounds. So I have my headphones on. And, uh, and we get in there, and I'm like, okay, numbs me all up. All right, let's go, let's get this out. Goes to the top one, pulls it out. Wow, that was not bad at all. Gets the next one, pulls it out. I'm thinking, this was the most brilliant move I ever made. I should have done this a long time ago. Then he gets to the bottom teeth. And I realize, this one's not coming out. This, this is a problem. And, and he's really working there, and he's moving my whole head around trying to get this tooth out. And, and again, I can't hear anything. I got my headphones on, but I'm thinking, Something, something's wrong. And then I smell a smell that I've never smelled in my life before. And I don't know what it is, but it's horrific. And I have this moment of thinking, I wanna go back. I don't wanna do this anymore. And it's liminal space. And I realize I can't go back and get out of this chair, undo what I've done, but I also haven't arrived yet where all my wisdom teeth are out and I can be done with this. I'm in this moment and I so vividly remember the panic that set in on me of like, what have you done? How are you gonna get out of this? And I, I was trapped. It's like, I, I can't get out of it. And if I do get out of it, I have to come back for more. And it's like, I'm just stuck in that liminal space. Fast forward, I don't know how long, felt like hours and hours and hours. Uh, I get done, I pull the headphones off and I'm like, what, what happened? Like, what on earth, you know? And he goes, okay, uh, here's a little update. Um, your top teeth, no problem. Those came out really easy. He goes, fun fact, um, your bottom teeth have hooked roots, which is really good for your teeth. It makes them super strong. Not great if you have to take them out, though. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so what I had to do is I had to dr drill into the bone of your jaw to get your bottom teeth out. He goes, you might have smelled something. I'm like, that was burning bone. He goes, yeah, it's a bad smell. And I'm like, oh my gosh. He's like, so I had to drill into there. I had to get those out, but no problem. We got those out. Now, here's the deal. I think back to like that moment and I just think about liminal space because I remember feeling so trapped in that moment going, I can't go back. I'm not yet there. I don't want to be here. And that to me is a great description of liminal space. 
Now, you're thinking, okay, that was horrific. Give us some good news. You ready for this? Write this down. Following Jesus will push you into liminal spaces. No amens on that? No, nobody gonna? Yeah, all right, let's do this, right? Uh, no, fo- I, I just want to tell you, following Jesus, this is what I've learned and I'm convinced of, will push you into liminal spaces. You're going, okay, so Jeremy, you're saying I get my own wisdom teeth story. That's what I get out of this sermon today. That's what you get. If you want to follow Jesus, here's the great news for you. He is going to push you into liminal space. And you might go, why? I do not want that. Here's why. Because Jesus knows that if this is where you are, this is where the liminal space is, but this is something new. And Jesus wants to take you to somewhere new. He wants to do something new in your life. He wants to bring a new energy, a new fire, something that you could never do on your own. But to get you over here, he's got to move you from here. And you're going to go through some liminal space in between where you are going to feel like this is way more than I can handle. And it has been true in my life. I have watched it true in other people's lives. And you see it all over the scriptures of people who had this experience with God. Let me give you a few examples. Job, we looked at in in week two of this series, I looked at the story of Job and you can go and watch that online in case you missed it. Uh, But Job basically gets it all. He's the wealthiest man in that day. He, He has it all and then he loses it all. And Job goes on this dramatic roller coaster of an experience and here's his response in Job chapter 10. He says it's a God. Why then did you bring me out of the womb? Ever asked God that question? That is an interesting question. How dare you bring me into this world? I wish I had died before any eye saw me. If only I had never come into being or had been carried straight from the womb to the grave. How dare you, God, let me be born? Don't worry, Job. God won't give you more than you can handle. Job's like, yeah, have you met my life? Have you seen what's going on with me? It didn't work for Job. There's a guy named Moses. Moses gets told, hey, um, I know you've got some like speech issues and you're not really good at like talking to people, but I want you to go and challenge the most powerful man in the world to stand up to the empire of Egypt and you go toe to toe with Pharaoh. Moses is like, wait, what? And you get the conversation, Exodus 4, God says this, now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. (laughs) You ever been there? God's like, okay, here we go. We're gonna do this. You're like, oh, no, no, send the other guy. Send my neighbor. I don't wanna do this. Don't worry, Moses. God's not gonna give you more than you can handle. Moses is like, Pharaoh, you think I can handle Pharaoh? I'm not gonna go talk to Pharaoh. I'm not gonna go stand up against the empire of Egypt. No, 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 Moses, that's what I want you to do. This is liminal space. He's in the middle of it. They have not yet left Egypt, but he can't go back. He has not yet arrived at where he's going. There's a guy named Jonah. Jonah gets called to be a prophet to the city of Nineveh. If you read throughout the Old Testament, Nineveh shows up numerous times. Uh, They're often the bad dudes of the story. These guys were terrible. The things that they were doing were so evil. And so God says to Jonah, look, I care about these guys. I know they're terrible. I know they've done bad things to you and your people, but I want you to go and preach repentance. I want them to, I want to forgive them. And I want them to come around. And Jonah's like, you want me to go to, to Nineveh? And so this is Jonah's response in chapter one. 
But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish, which is the opposite direction. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah, God won't give you more than you can handle. Jonah's like, I'm getting on a boat and I'm leaving and I'm not coming back and I'm gonna get away from God because I cannot handle this. It's liminal space. Now, what's great about the story of Jonah, uh, it's a side note, but uh, if you ever wanna read Jonah chapter four, it's one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible because Jonah gets stuck in liminal space. He never gets out. So even after God is trying to show him, Jonah, this is what I was bringing you into, Jonah still gets stuck. And in chapter four, after he has become one of the most successful prophets of all time, Nineveh repents. It's this incredible ordeal. Jonah is so mad about it that he wants God to kill him. I'm just so angry, and he pouts about it, and literally, it's comical what happens at Jonah chapter four. He gets stuck in liminal space. He never sees what God is ultimately trying to do. King David, he gets called upon to be a faithful king of Israel after Saul was not a faithful king, and God goes, okay, David, come on. You're gonna be a better one. You're gonna show everyone what could be possible, and David goes through tons of different ordeals in the process, and in Psalm chapter 12, David says this. Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. What? It's a little dramatic, David, but David's an artist, so he speaks with his emotions, right? But those have vanished. They don't even exist. They're not alive anymore, people who are loyal. Like, how low do you have to be to feel that, to say that that is a true statement? Don't worry, David. God's not gonna give you more than you can handle. David's like, look around you. I've got nobody that is standing with me. What about Jesus? Did Jesus ever feel like he had more than he could handle? Well, right before Jesus is gonna get betrayed and right before he's gonna go to the cross and he, he foresees all this coming, we, we find uh, this happening in the garden, Luke chapter 22. It says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, why? Because he's feeling weak. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, Jesus felt like it was more than he could handle. In fact, uh, Jesus prays in the garden. He says, Father, if it's possible, let's do this another way. Let's not do what we're about to do because he is so overwhelmed by it. He's in the middle of liminal space. He cannot go back to where no one knew who he was. He has not yet you know, uh, resurrected and got to that part of the story. He's in the middle of liminal space. Don't worry, Jesus. God won't give you more than you can handle. Hopefully you begin to realize it, that this line might sound Christian. It might even sound biblical. It just doesn't work with the way that God actually interacts with us. And I suspect that you can think about a time in your life that God wanted to take you from where you were to where he wanted to to move you and you had to get through liminal space in the process. And that might've been a short season, it might've been a long season, but hopefully if you've been following Jesus, you are experiencing something like that. I, I can think back to January 2017. I felt this calling God saying, it's time to leave, you gotta leave Arizona. I was in Arizona, working at a great church, loved my life, everything was great, our family was enjoying it, God said, you gotta go. 
didn't know where, wouldn't know that for a number of months. And for the next eight months, I experienced liminal space. For eight months, from January to August when we moved up to the Northwest, I got to experience the in-between, and it was awful. And if you said, hey, why don't you go live that out again? No, I would, would not, it was not fun. But I can look back and tell you things that God showed me, that God taught me in that place, because that is where God does some of his best work, because it was more than I could handle. But I had to go through eight months of liminal space to go, okay, here's the next assignment you've got for me. Here's the next adventure you've got for me. And I believe God will do that with each and every one of us when you say yes. You say, Jesus, I'm I'm in. He will push you out of your comfort zone, push you into a liminal space in order to prepare you for something new. And some of you are going, man, I just feel like God's not doing anything in my life. I'm just bored and I mean, everything else happens to others. It's because you might be unwilling to take that step forward to get in over your head and go, oh look, faith is going to require me to say yes to some things that will look terrifying. And if I say yes and I enter that liminal space, then I'm gonna have to rely on Jesus, and that is how he brings you to the next season. He brings whatever new that he wants to bring into your life is how he's gonna do it. So here's what I would encourage you with today. There is nothing shameful in feeling overwhelmed. If you're here today and you feel like life is too much, you have nothing to, to be, you know, feel shame over. It's also a great place to experience Jesus. And so instead of going, wow, I just wish that this would go away, I wanna encourage you to go, how can I experience Jesus right now? How can I see him in a unique way? Now that might not be you, you might be going, look, I I feel like things are great. Uh, Here's my challenge to you then. Uh, Would you be confident enough to start praying some crazy prayers? Hey Jesus, what's next? What do you want me to do? What's the liminal space that you wanna push me into? Because you've got something new planned if I were to say yes. And how would you be willing to take a step forward? Because you are confident that when life is too much, when you have more than you could handle, you're in a great place to experience Jesus. I wanna close with what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter one. The same Paul that we've been looking at today. Here's what he says. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. Hey, if you heard things were good, they weren't good, they were bad. I want to make sure they were really bad. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. It was more than we could handle. God gave us absolutely more than we could handle. So that we despaired of life itself. It's not just like being dramatic. I literally thought we were gonna die. Indeed, we felt like we had received the sentence of death. This is it. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, some of you are going, I want God to raise the dead in my life. I want God to do new things around me. You're gonna have to stop relying on yourself in order to see that. If you want God to raise the dead, you want God to bring you into some new things, you're gonna have to take a step out of your comfort zone, out of what you can handle, and say yes to the liminal space of what God is gonna prepare you for next. And when you get there and you go, wow, this is too much, remember, you're in a great place to experience Jesus. Let's pray together. God, I pray that each of us would get to see you like this that each of us would be confident in the midst of feeling overwhelmed, feeling like it's too much. 
that we could see that you are not only there with us in the midst of that, but that you are using that for our good. And just like the Apostle Paul learned that this scallops, this thorn that he wanted so badly to be removed was actually for his own good. May we too see that those things in our life that, that might be the details of our liminal space that we want to be over, we want to be resolved, might be the very things that you're using to bring new life into us. And so God, we ask you to, to nudge us forward, to move us beyond where we've been so that we can see where you wanna take us, that we can experience you raise the dead around us to see new life because we're willing to get in over our heads. We're willing to trust you, to rely not just on ourselves, to, to rely on what you can do. So God, may we be comfortable with liminal space. May we be comfortable in a season to transition forward because we know that you are with us in the midst of it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.